Hello, hello. Welcome to the NTT20 betting show. The sound of the start of your weekend, of course, or T-S-O-T-S-O-Y-W, <laughs> as a lot of the ultras have started calling it. This show is sponsored by Fanslide. I'm Ali Maxwell. On the line with me, George Ellick, a year older since I last spoke to you. You were 29 until you weren't. Good lockdown birthday? Yeah, it was actually great. I was kind of... I mean, I don't know, for, the, for those listening, you've got to be quite careful because there'll be people out there for whom 30 sounds unbelievably old, but there'll also be people who would obviously love to go back to being 30. So, you know, we can't complain, but it's probably the first birthday I've had where in the run-up I've been a bit like, yeah, don't mm. really want to do this. Quite like quite like my 20s, really. Um, but no, I had a lovely day, obviously not the way it would have been had we been in normal circumstances i'm probably feeling a fair bit perkier today than i would have done um <laughs> otherwise but uh but you no know, had a had a nice day ate some lovely food which is one thing that you can always do so that was nice talk to me about fan slide ahead of the weekend what are we getting excited about yeah really exciting really exciting we've got another hundred pound cash bounty uh, cash chest for the game tomorrow evening on Friday night between Coventry and Birmingham. Ali and I will be playing from the green room live at Sky. We'll be in the chat as well. Everybody who seems to be playing it seems to love it. I don't think I've seen a single bit of negative feedback yet from people who've listened to the pod, downloaded a fan slide, the first ever in-play fantasy football app and not loved it. And then we can now play as well on the early championship game, which is, of course, also on Sky. Bournemouth against Reading at 12.30 on Saturday. Today there isn't a cash pot, but the game will be live. So two chances to take us on on fan slides over the weekend. The first one being Friday night's game, and that has a cash prize for the winner. Free to download, free to play. We'll see you in the chat on Friday night. I really want to get an EFL match win under my belt to go hmm. with the uh, the one that I accidentally won <laughs> in the Premier League the other day. And for those of you who are enjoying it and playing regularly, you can get even more involved, guys, by joining the Slack channel. Fanslide are inviting you all to join the Slack community. It's a place to chat football, to swap tips and suggestions and get early access to new features as well because there's big plans for Fanslide in the coming months and years. Uh, you'll get a coveted star on your account if you're one of the Slack users, as well as access to special prizes competitions for community members as well it's all on slack and you can join by going to fanslide.com slash ntt20 that's one for the real fanslide ultras this podcast is for over 18s only we ask that if you are listening you're thinking of having a bet this weekend please be gamble aware please understand the significant risks that come with placing a bet we ask that no one listening bets more than they can afford to lose last week's results well for the second week in a row your nap was a draw no bet pick which mm. ended up as a draw you're really putting the no bet into draw no bet at the moment thank you <laughs> um <laughs> but your other pick was also draw no bet crew against posh 13 to 8 winner really nice enjoyed that one a lot that was a great thank winner you. well Thanks very done much. cheers not a great last 10 minutes for me the the period between 20 to 5 and 5 to 5 last Saturday was pretty miserable. 96th minute goal scuppers my Cambridge nap from Barrow. And in fairness, I'm, I'm not sure Cambridge deserved to win. So um, I can't get too upset, but that was a sickener. But probably worse than that was about 10 minutes previously, a 30, my 33 to 1 centre-back pick, Dan Scar, had a point-blank header saved at 0-0. My Accrington 
pick was a winner, 2.7. That was pretty, uh, yeah, that was pleasant. And John Marquis did score on Monday night as well. I picked him to score first with each way terms, the each way terms and him scoring any time, although not first meant that we we left with a bit of profit. Um, but frankly, those two scant consolation for, for what happened towards the end of the 3 p.m. on Saturday. Devastating. But we go again. We go hard. George, what's your nap? ahead of the EFL docket. It's a throbbing docket this week. Three full <laughs> sets of fixtures. I'm buzzing. Yeah, I, I reckon there are probably some Scunthorpe fans who listened to my rant uh, this time last week and are tuning in ready to hear me grovel for forgiveness after mm. saying that they were a lock for relegation and they go and pick up back-to-back wins. My nap this week is Morecambe draw no bet at Scunthorpe at 10-2-11. Now, the reason behind this is that I don't really think anything has changed in the last week. I don't think much has changed with Scunthorpe. One key thing changed in the week, and that was the return of Kevin Van Veen. And it is to my detriment, and I must apologise to everybody, that I didn't really see that. I didn't. It should have been a notable reason just to maybe hold fire with the Scunthorpe, um, you know, the, the, the Scunthorpe negativity. But Von Veen came back into the side for the Oldham game. They won it 2-0. He scored a fantastic goal and was very good throughout. He started the Port Vale game midweek. Scunthorpe won that game 1-0. Von Veen did limp off with just under an hour gone. So there's a fair chance he's not going to be fit here. But either way, I'm not really too bothered because I think Morecambe should be favourites for this one. And so you're getting, you know, bet Fred at even money, draw no bet. I think it's the same on the exchange, or you're getting 10, 10 to 11 generally. Um, Morecambe have been so good this season. You know, this is no flash in the pan. This is no lucky run of form. They've won four of their six away games. In Derek Adams, they've got a manager who we know is very capable here. In Adam Phillips, they've got a centre midfielder who looks too good for the level and exerts his dominance on games fairly regularly. They're just a, you know, at worst, kind of a mid-table League Two side. And in Scunthorpe, I still see a team who are going to be scrambling for their lives down at the bottom. The Oldham result was, was probably deserved. They played well in that game. Um, you know, teams at the bottom are going to pick up points. We've said that consistently. You know, you know, even the worst teams in the league don't end seasons on seven or eight points. Like, wins do come mm-hmm. as a cause of natural variance. But it's the Port Vale game in particular that I think is the most striking because Port Vale completely battered them. No, this wasn't like a let's build on the on the Oldham win and build a, a run of form. This was as smash and grab as it really gets. Abo Issa scored Scunthorpe's goal fairly early, well, kind of midway through the first half. And then they barely even got into the opposition half of the rest of the game, barely created anything. Port Vale had plenty of chances to win it. So if this game was happening a week ago, the prices would be very different. Morecambe would be a lot shorter. I, I don't think a great deal has changed. I, I'm putting in the draw no bet angle again, just because... You know, it's a, it's a fair price. And I think that if Scunthorpe do falter, it could, you know, a, a draw could still be the, the end game here. I mean, I, I'm almost tempted just to back Morecambe to win because Morecambe seem to be either win games or get beaten 5-0. Um, but I'm sticking to the draw no bet angle. Um, and I think I, I still think Scunthorpe are a team to get, a, to get against in the coming weeks. Well, I'm thinking of lumping on the draw based on what's happened to your last two Draw no bet naps. Uh, my nap is Forest Green. They're going to Barrow, not far from where I am at the moment, actually. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why in a betting show first, during this chat, I will actually mention the weather, which is Ooh. not something I often do. Um, anyway, they're, two, Any edge. they're 2.4 to beat Barrow. 
and I'm backing Forest Green. Now, there's no getting away from the fact that Forest Green's underlying data is excellent. And of course, that is at the forefront of my mind whenever I see the words forest and green together at the moment. <laughs> uh, it's almost a bit of a hindrance, to be honest. But according to the Fox, Bun uh, Fox Punter XG tables that we look at, that we use week to week, in terms of pure quality of shots faced and shots taken this season, Forest Green have the best numbers, the best XG ratio in the whole of the EFL. And it's been pretty robust. That's not based on a couple of massive outliers where they've just hammered one team and it's and it's sort of swelled the numbers. That that you know, their XG ratio pretty much stacks up game to game at the moment. And when you've got that in the back of your mind, like it's a bit like what you just said about how bad teams don't just lose every game and don't end up on seven or eight points. It's almost the exact reverse here. When you have in your mind that a team is the best in the league when it comes to XG ratio and it's early in the season and you're looking for that edge, you almost, I think you overrate them. And like you, you sort of, because you know that, you kind of assume that they're going to win every game and that's not how it works either. So there's a part of me that feels like them being in fifth on, on 21 points from 12 games doesn't seem enough. So I'm trying to remind myself that's, that's actually a perfectly good record. Like they've lost three of their last six games. In none of them have they been like massively inferior. You know, they, they've had a bit of bad luck, a couple of mistakes, notable one last week um, to see them go 2-0 down in that game. And, you know, they've lost three of their last six. You can cut it the other way. They've won five of their last eight. They're a team that do know how to win, that have won a lot of games already this season. So <laughs> the the weather forecast... I mean, it's, it's going to be carnage up here. I'm in Cumbria. I'm not far from Barrow. It's going to be chaos on Saturday. Wind and rain forecast, and it could be a disaster. Forest Green are a team that like to keep the ball. They are a possession-based team. I think one of the things that's made them better this year and, and makes them, to my eyes, seem a bit more robust when I'm trying to project over 46 games is that they've actually got a pretty robust spine, and they can play direct as well. Jamil Matt... Uh, as a League Two target man, is 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 a veteran. He knows what he's doing. So, look, I've never heard I've never heard it said target man rather than target man before. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm trying new things. Um, <laughs> teams. One thing that I'm just concerned about. Teams do find the conditions at Barrow tough. It's obviously right out on the peninsula, and that's that's a bit of an edge for Barrow just generally. But I think that Forest Green can overcome it. It's not. It's also. It's not like Barrow play some rough and ready, stick it up you, uber direct. You know, use the wind and pump it into the corners style. They they like to mix it as well. They like to play just as much uh, as 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 most teams. So, you know, with Forest Green, I think being quite robust as well. People like Winchester in midfield and solid players at the back. I think they should be okay. So ultimately, I think Forest Green are better than Barrow. And I think over the course of the game, I'm sure I've said this before, while they might not dominate the whole thing, uh, I think they should show their superiority. So, you know, most of the other teams, when they're at the very top of the XG ratio tables, look, the bookies know much more than we do. They've got access to more granular stuff than we do. But generally, when teams are at the top of those tables, you can't back them at prices like this against mm. teams in mid-table. So maybe I'm missing something hugely before I scream. I don't think I am. I'm going to back them at 2.4 as my nap this weekend. Next up, George. Charlton away at Gillingham and for regular listeners it's kind of just along the same Gillingham form line or performance line really where I'm still convinced they are a pretty poor League One side it feels like ages since we last saw them playing a league game it came a couple of weeks ago against Crew back at the beginning of, of November and that was a game we've spoken about loads where, where they were as poor as they had been previously, they they created very little and scored a goal and, and crew had a lot of chances in the game to win it. And 
if that one nil win is being seen in any way as a kind of a turnaround of their form, then then I'm not buying it at all. They've been over the last six or seven games one of the worst, if not the worst team in, in League One. So we have to carry that forward here. And maybe, you know, Charlton have been backed. So I think maybe the, the initial prices here maybe um, were the ones to get on. But I still think there's value in backing Charlton odds against. Um, they've been so good over the last few weeks. I, I'd, I'd struggle to see why Gillingham would create much against a side like them who are so comfortable um, in the way that they defend. And they... and. My only criticism of Charlton at times has been that even when they played well, they have sometimes not um, created a great deal despite scoring. But then Gillingham are giving up chances at such a consistent rate that it, it seems unlikely that's going to happen again. So, yeah, I mean, Gillingham, so Charlton just seemed like a, a good value, albeit away from home. But I don't really care about that too much at the moment. It's only about um, I think Charlton 10 miles, are, isn't it? Yeah, it's not far. Um, I think Charlton are a cracking value. I mean, Gillingham will have to markedly upgrade their performances to be worthy of the kind of nine to four they are to win this game. And this would also mean seven in a row for Charlton, which would be pretty exciting. I'm sure they'll be bang up for it. They also haven't played a mm. league game since the the third of Nov. So looking forward to seeing how they go. My next pick is also in League One. I've got one from each. Uh, it's just occurred from me. One from each league to celebrate the full docket. Uh, it's Lincoln to beat Accrington at 2.5 uh, this weekend. Firstly, absolutely love what Accrington are doing. And if they get any sort of result from this game, and especially if they win, then can you give me five minutes on Monday to talk about Accrington? Because I'd really like to talk about Accrington, what they do, why it's so good, why it's so impressive. It's amazing. Not just mm. That's not just because they won me a pick at 2.7 last weekend um, and won against Swindon in midweek to, to get to 18 points from nine games. Um, that magical two points per game mark. They're another side who are just really impressive in League One this season. But this is a different test against Lincoln. One of the big parts of this is 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 it's a it's a bit speculative, but I'm thinking that Lincoln are going to be fresh and raring to go. They've played one game in two weeks, and it was this Tuesday in the uh, Papa John's, and that was mostly a sort of um, uh, it wasn't necessarily a second string, but the fringe players, the guys who aren't starting every game in the league, more or less. So they should be in decent nick. Uh, Motivation-wise, they, they're off the back of back-to-back -back defeats against Donny and Pompey. They'll feel very harshly done by that they got zero points from those two games where you know it's not as if they were absolutely battered by those two sides. But also, last week, just after we recorded, because we, we normally record Thursday afternoon and you can normally catch quite a lot of the manager quotes um, so you so you normally don't miss anything too big if you're if you're making a selection. But last week we recorded very early, like eight or nine a.m. I picked Accrington and I said I hope they might be fresh because they'd they'd had to have a break due to coronavirus. What I'd missed was John Coleman, who spoke later on in the day, talking about how it had affected them that break where they'd had to shut the training ground for two weeks. Seventeen players and two staff members tested positive for COVID. Uh, and they had that two-week shutdown of the club. And Coleman said, this is before last weekend where they beat Northampton and have subsequently beaten Swindon. He said, it's become a massive problem and I've got to hold my hand up. I've underestimated the toll it's taken on us. We're losing players through soft tissue injuries as well. Players are trying to get up to speed with their lungs. We've got four or five who are struggling to train this week. That's not ideal with the amount that we've lost already. It's a case of patching everybody up and getting a team out there for Saturday. Now, Clearly, the results haven't reflected what he said there, but I don't think he would have just been saying that as some sort of mind game or to try and project some false sense of of uh, 
of poor fitness and and issues. I'm sure he was being honest there. And so the fact that they played Northampton last weekend, they played this midweek as well. They played last midweek too. They played a lot of football and they're up against they're up against it really. You know, they're playing a lot of a lot of games back to back to back to back after two weeks where they were shut down completely. So from a fresh freshness and fitness perspective, which is not normally how I would make a pick, that has got to be quite big for me. Um, I also think the Lincoln are a better side. I think that Accrington could be very, very, very good. But off the back of wins against Northampton and Swindon, especially against Swindon where they were gifted a goal after two minutes, I'm not sure this is the time to say that just yet. So it will be if they can beat Lincoln. Um, but I think Lincoln are a little bit better and I think Lincoln are a little bit fresher or maybe a lot fresher. And so I'm going to pick them 2.5, 6-4 to win in League One this weekend. I wanted to chuck one in where I didn't link you in because normally I just <laughs> normally I say something stupid and I and I feel stupid so I just I thought I'd just leave it and you never ever ever should feel stupid. I thought incredible I'd, person. Well, I just wanted to see how switched on you were. Leave you to your own devices. I, mean, I was just, listening. I, I was mesmerised by your description and and obviously anybody tipping up Lincoln um, is is fine with me at the moment. But um, but it, maybe Michael Appleton isn't even my favourite manager in League One at the moment. <laughs> um, You've got a shame. new apple of your eye shameless i mean of course he is but shameless plug um for the totally football league show extra time that ali and i uh host for the athletic and um we interviewed mk don's manager russell martin this morning and if i wasn't already enamored by what's going on on the pitch at mk don's hearing russell martin speaking about it has confirmed to me that there probably isn't a football team in, in kind of better hands going forward than MK Dons at the moment. I absolutely, I mean, please do go back and listen to the interview. Um, but it's the way that he just talks about the process that I think is so good that he talks about how he has to use data sometimes to sh show players that the work they are doing is working on the pitch, even when results don't necessarily show it. It's just the absolute right way around. And it's, I mean, the, the style of football itself is obviously so good. They're just, you know, they're, they're a side who we've said loads of times are a side to watch out for in League One. And Saturday was great to see them, you know, beating a Sunderland side who are, of course, one of the best sides in League One. Um, and I don't think that they're done with that. I, I don't think them beating the teams who fancy themselves amongst the best is going to be a, a rare occasion. And here they are 15 to 8, 7 and 4. So the outsiders at home against Hull. And, and I think their value again, because... I think if they play the same way, if they use the ball and, and use the space as well as they have done in recent weeks, then in games like this, they are going to have at least as much as the game as their opposition and are probably going to create plenty of chances as they often do as well. They're improving week on week. Um, I still think that whilst Hull have had a good start to the season, there are question marks for me around... Um, the teams that they've played at certain times, I, I feel like they've had probably the easiest fixture list so far of anybody so far this season. I still think they're a good side, um, but this is going to be tougher than most away games they've had thus far. And, and I think that Don's a yeah, a cracking, cracking bet and nearly twos to to win this in ninety minutes. So, of course, I mean I don't know when I don't know when else they'd win it. So, <laughs> well, I mean in the ninety sixth, maybe, maybe. Well, the, yeah, I'm going yeah. for for the side where Russell Martin learned everything he knew about football, Norwich City. Norwich. Uh, another side that play in a not dissimilar fashion, albeit slightly less extreme. 
I haven't seen Tim Krull dribbling out towards the halfway line uh, recently, but I'm, I'm not saying he can't. I'm actually, yeah, I'm picking Norwich 2.6 against Middlesbrough and I'm scared to even say it out loud. Like it, betting against Neil Warnock at the moment, it feels obscene. It certainly feels like it could be very naive and I'm ready to be shown to be very, very naive. But I think it's a fascinating fixture, this, and I think it will go Norwich's way. The basic reason why it's interesting to me is is simple. It's the team that we've spoken about a lot recently as having an absurd defensive record. The headline stat for me is that they've only faced eight shots on target in seven games. Like, it's ridiculous. The next best in the league is 20 from seven games. Um, and they're playing against the team that in that time frame have had the most shots on target in Norwich. They've been taking a ton of shots recently and they've looked pretty good going forward. So looking at the the possession stats for these two sides this season against certain types of opposition, I'm fairly confident that Norwich will get towards or go over 70% possession in this game. And Borough will be fine with that. Like, this is why I love it. It's going to be a real game of cat and mouse where both teams are going to be able to play in the way that they want to play. As we know, having possession doesn't equal success. And especially if Borough are ready for that and set up you know, that's not going to be an issue for them. But even though there's a scenario where Borough are just so good defensively that they shut this down, they frustrate Norwich, they knock them off their stride and, you know, they can obviously hurt them on the break and they can hurt teams from set pieces as well. I think that Norwich are good enough with the ball that they can be the team to hurt Borough more than any of their recent opponents. I think they've got enough threats. I think they've got enough ways of hurting teams and... For me, it's crucial that Norwich's midfield three play well, and that's not always been a given so far this season. They've got such good threats out wide down both flanks, but I think in order to be a, a, a true sort of triple threat, I suppose, they need those central midfield players not just to go wide and recycle it out wide every time. They need to be a goal threat themselves. They need to find the balls through. I'm not sure it'll be Puki playing up front because he's played all three games for Finland in the international break. So they may go with with Hugel, uh, with Ida, who knows? But I think Norwich will have enough. I think they can breach Borough. I'm not sure Borough going forward are particularly any great shakes at the moment. So this one might be a case of me watching through my fingers. I'm sure it's not going to be simple, but uh, I'll be backing Norwich. I'll also be backing them to win 1-0 uh, at 7-1. to The other thing just to mention is I'm not, I'm not treating the Warnock, Northern Ireland, Paddy McNair debate as a particularly strong reason to <laughs> to back Norwich. He's very angry that Paddy played all three games for Northern Ireland this international break, but you know, I think Borough's defensive strength is much more about the system than it is the individuals. So even if McNair doesn't play, I'm sure they'll manage to slot in someone who played pretty well. So fascinating game. I'm just siding with Norwich. I, I, I should mention that you know, if they were even money, I wouldn't back them, but at 2.6 uh, I just think it's a nice price to back uh, a Norwich side that I think quite a lot of at the moment so there you go um what's next george we, we move on to the fun stuff yeah it should be the fun stuff although um as i often do i've tried to find a no goal scorer tip so it might not be that fun if it actually wins um in the championship and i think there's basically value in backing unders in most forest games at the moment um since chris Hutton came in there's been one match which has exceeded the uh, over 2.5 line that was the Coventry home game um, which they only got over it in the 96th minute and Coventry have the most porous defence in the league um, at least in terms of, of, of 
chances conceded. Forest go to Barnsley on Saturday, who have made a, a solid start under Valerian Ishmael. There's no denying that at all. But I, I feel like the, the style itself is a little bit more pragmatic than we, maybe we've see, been used to seeing with Barnsley so far. It just feels like a game to me which could be fairly cagey, um, certainly with Hewton's team taking a few risks. We've seen Barnsley f- quite regularly um, before Ishmael came in, struggle to break teams down, um, weren't creating much, weren't scoring much before his arrival. The kind of stats post Ishmael um, are somewhat, um, you know, unfairly weighted towards goals after the, the QPR sending off within minutes of that game, which which led to it being a 3-0 victory. Barnsley hosting Watford after that was a 1-0 game. And I think this is going to kind of follow a similar suit here against another pragmatic manager. It just feels like a game where it's going to be low margin. I, I wouldn't necessarily say either team would turn down a 0-0 draw now. Um, so no goal scorer at 8-1 is my long shot. Okay, I've got a couple of uh, statty goalscorer picks. Uh, you don't need underlying numbers to tell you that Adam Armstrong is a goal threat, but they help to show just to what extent he is and why I think Bet365's 4-1 to one on him to score first against Luton this weekend with the each-way terms, meaning that you've got basically an 11-8 to eight shot at any time goalscorer as well, are very, very nice indeed. So, some stats for you, some shot stats to start with. Armstrong takes just under six shots per game, which is like peak Harry Kane levels of shots. He's taken 55 in the league, which is 16 more than any other player. He's obviously had way more shots on target than everyone else as well. Over three shots on target per 90 he's currently running at. The next is the next best is Tony with 1.66 uh, per 90. So almost twice as many shots on target as his uh, top his golden boot rival. Now using the Y Scout filter system, I can look at expected goals as well. I've compared every player in the EFL in all competitions this season. And Armstrong's got 12.33 expected goals from 12 appearances, scoring 12 goals. So he's not running hot. He's running pretty much as expected. 12.33. Remember that number. The next highest XG in the whole of the EFL in all competitions is Mullin with 8.7 expected goals. Then Marquis with 7.8 expected goals. The other two top scorers in their division. So that's quite nice at the moment. Now, this obviously includes Mm. penalties, which do boost those those XG numbers and those goals numbers as well, we know. But all of those guys are on penalties as well as Armstrong. One way of putting it is that Armstrong has racked up 40% more expected goals than the next most prolific player in the EFL. In fact, I went one further because I had a bit of time on my hands today. (laughs) I can't find a player, George, on the whole Scout database... That's played less than 15 matches this season. That's an important filter because there are some leagues that have played, you know, 30 or 40, depending on where yeah. you start. So there's no player on the whole Y Scout database that's played less than 15 matches this season that has a higher XG number total than Adam Armstrong. The next wow. best is a striker for Phnom Penh Crown FC in Cambodia, uh, the Nigerian Okereke Timothy Chimeri, eh? who we probably need to take a look at. Sign him up. And the third, astonishingly, is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's played 300 minutes fewer than Armstrong, but is just on an absolute tear. I've never seen anything quite like it. <laughs> so basically, four to one for him to score first against Luton with those each way terms is something I'm pretty up for because I don't think this is just a case of he's the top scorer in the league. I think this is a case of since we've been doing the podcast, I'm I'm not sure there's been a run like this for an individual player um, in terms of, of shots and goals. So I'm pretty excited about that one. And while looking at that, I couldn't ignore Josh Caroma, 
of Huddersfield. I'm going to be backing him to score first for Huddersfield against Stoke at 10 to 1 with Bet365. Ironic at the Bet365 stadium, this one. <laughs> he also takes a lot of shots, the second most in the league, in fact, the joint third most inside the box. So he's not just a, a long range merchant. Joint seventh for shots inside the six yard box. So he gets in pretty good positions as well. And just looking at Huddersfield as a whole, it's very clear that even when Fraser Campbell plays as the number nine, Karoma off the left is their primary goal threat. That's very clear when you look at, at who's taking their shots. Huddersfield are pretty long odds to win this game and we've both mentioned off air that we think they're probably a little longer than, than they should be. They should have the majority of the ball as well. Um, and again, a bit like Norwich Borough, that will suit Stoke fine. But it does mean that I think there'll be some opportunities for a Karoma to get into good shooting positions and to get a few good looks at goals. So at 10 to 1, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I think he's going to score more goals than, than we would have expected at the start of the season. And he's got three, I think, already, but I think there's more mm. to come. So uh, 10 to 1 each way. So if he scores any time, we make a bit of profit as well. There you go. Um, Friday night, let's turn our attentions to that game, George. Yes. Not only because it's live on Sky and we'll be back in the studio for the first time in a few weeks, but also it's a fan slide special. Yeah, it is a fan slide special. Exactly as I mentioned at the top of the show, they are putting up a £100 prize pot for those who play. And it really is so simple. You just have to download the app. You go in, it's free to enter, you click on the fixture and you slide in your players to start. All the instructions are up there, how to play, how you win your points and uh, and everything else as well. I think it's fair to say that both of us, Ali, I mean, we're not embarrassed because I feel like we're kind of always mid-table or higher, but we're not really troubling the judges, are we, in these games? I think if we're going to call ourselves EFL experts, which, you know, we do, then we have to find a way to, to get ourselves in the picture. Okay, well, I, I mean, I didn't think you were going to start taking shots at us both, but I do get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I can't really work out how this one is going to play out. It's difficult when you see Karankas Birmingham on the fixture list to think there's going to be a ton of goals in it. And yet, you know, Coventry in recent games, they've got better going forward and they're still quite poor defensively. So I don't think it's as easy as, uh, as just saying it's going to be a nil-niller. Um, and you didn't think I'd get this far without mentioning a centre-back goal scorer, did you? Because um, this is where I'm focusing this weekend. I've had a number of messages from Coventry fans over the last month or two about Ustigard. I've mentioned him before. He's a, he's a, a nutty Scandinavian who absolutely loves throwing his head at set pieces. And he is getting his head to a lot of set pieces and his finishing, don't get me wrong, has been pretty poor. But eventually he'll close his eyes. One will smack him in the centre of the forehead and go into the top <laughs> corner. And uh, at 33 to 1, I'm quite keen on that. Birmingham, you might be surprised to hear uh, in terms of their set piece defending, not that good this season. Uh, so I'm hoping there's an opportunity for us to guard. I'm also going to have a small dart on Max Biamu to score first if he starts, which I think he will because the last three games he started, having come into the side... And he's been an absolute handful. I mean, there's two ways of looking at this. He has missed some, he's missed some chances and he does not look that comfortable getting on the end of them, but he is getting on the end of them. He's putting himself in very good positions and he's been a real handful. And he's, he's, uh, I just think a bit like Ostergaard. If he keeps getting in those, in those areas, in those positions, he might score one, even if he doesn't mean to, you know, he might, he might try and stick it in one corner and find the other. Um, <laughs> and as we know, Biamu's got an absolute worldie in him. So that would be quite nice. So, um, yeah, Biamu 7-1 to one at the moment, uh, first goal scorer. So those are my interests in that game. What are you thinking? Where are you leaning ahead of Cov Birmingham? 
Yeah, I've got quite a strong fancy here. Uh, mm. It's another draw no bet, I'm afraid to say. The bookies have these two teams about neck and neck, kind of picking prices, with Birmingham just about favourites. But a couple of firms go five to six each side on the draw no bet. And I want to be with Birmingham. I want to be with the away team at five to six. And this time of the season, I feel like, is prime time. And we've mentioned it on a couple of occasions already. I said it with Hull, where... Clubs can maybe be in um, runs of form or in league positions that are more dictated by the teams they've played rather than how they've been playing. And Birmingham's run of away games so far this season has been very tough. The, the, the five teams they've played away from home are Swansea, Stoke, Norwich, QPR and Preston. You're taking out of that Norwich as being one of the best teams in the league. Swansea, not far behind. Stoke, not far behind. Preston, certainly you know, a top half team, maybe even better than that. And QPR being the one side, the one team they've played away from home so far, who you'd maybe have them on a level playing field or ahead of. Coventry have been poor this season, I think it's fair to say. I think they're, they're markedly worse than, than the teams so far. That's not poor by their standard. That's just poor in terms of championship standards. They're a side who need to try and avoid relegation. And I think if they finished outside the relegation places on goal difference at the end of the season, then Mark Robbins deserves yet another handshake for doing a great job. But... That doesn't help them here. The defensive performances have been pretty poor. They can see chances consistently, as we've often said. The XG against is as bad as any other side in the league. And Birmingham have proven to be, under Ita Karanka, at the very worst, hard to break down on their travels. And I think that we could see a frustrating night for commentary here, um, who are probably used to teams coming onto them a little bit more than we're going to see this time. I think they might break, struggle to break Birmingham down. And Birmingham have the capability in attack. They have Lukas Jukovic and, and Scott Hogan, who are more than capable to, to cause problems up front here. And I think that Birmingham could be um, just a little bit of a sleeper. Just I, I think we all, and me included, have had them down as being um, a poor side in this division. But maybe there is a bit of merit to, to seeing if that might not be the case on Friday. I think they are comfortably the most likely team to win on Friday night. And... Um, and given you know the fact they've already had two nil nil draws away from home, they've had one one all draw against Stoke. You know they've only lost one of those five games. Uh, I do think there's there's merit in getting with them. So I'll be I'll be cheering on uh, Birmingham purely for financial reasons whilst playing a fan slide in the green room at Sky. With Erstegard first goal scorer, Biamu first goal scorer, and Birmingham draw no bet. There's got to be someone happy at the end of the night. <laughs> I also as the uh, as the one who generally makes up phrases that. Uh, that sound sort of right, but I think are actually mm. nonsense. I couldn't help but giggle at you saying that Mark Robbins would deserve yet another handshake if they, mm. um, well, as if I'm, he's just like absolutely swimming in handshakes. Just so <laughs> many handshakes over the I, last over the last few years. Guarantee you, he handshook a lot of people after their promotion last season. <laughs> I guarantee. Although maybe not because it was yeah. it was kind of during COVID. Think about it. Well, I mean. If any man deserves a handshake, it's Mark Robbins. So. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Okay, well, just a reminder, guys, to play along on Fanslide while you watch commentary against Birmingham on Friday night. 7.45 kickoff, £100 in the pot, up for grabs. That'll be split between the five 
top five, um, 50 quid to the winner. It's free to play. It's free to download. It's such good fun. And we know that so many of you are enjoying it. So please do join us. Get involved. Get involved in the Slack channel as well. If you go to fanslide.com slash NTT20, if that sounds like it, it will tickle your fancy. And thanks to Fanslide so much for their continued support for the podcast. George, can I get you to recap your bets swiftly? Yeah, my nap is Morecambe draw no bet away at Scunthorpe. Uh, next up was Charlton away at Gillingham and then MK Dons at home to Hull. Uh, no goal scorer in Barnsley against Nottingham Forest and Birmingham draw no bet in the Friday night game, um, which but the biggest tip for the Friday night game is to play fan slide along with us. George Ellick there putting the D in DNB. My picks this weekend. Wow. <laughs> one from each division forest green to beat barrow at 2.4 is my nap lincoln to beat accrington at 2.5 is my next best norwich to beat barrow at 2.6 is my next best uh, after that my statty goal scorers adam the ant armstrong and josh Karoma. not going to give him a nickname because i can only think of one thing and it's not and it's it's not appropriate for this current situation, for the times that we're living in at the moment. But go well, guys. Please do listen to the Totally Football League show Extra Time. I think it's my favourite one of them, what we've done. Mm, certainly I agree. This, certainly this season since the rebrand. Um, really fun to talk to Joe Jacobson and Russell Martin. It's been a fun day, in fact, George. And I'm, I'm glad that you're less hungover than you would ordinarily have been after a birthday <laughs> because we've done a lot of work today and it's time to kick back and relax. I hope you yes. had a lovely day yesterday and looking forward to celebrating in person as and when we can. Um, looking forward to seeing a lot of you guys on Fanslide on Friday night and go well with any selections of your own this weekend. Get in touch with us at NTT20Pod on Twitter if you've got anything to say about ours. Thanks and have a great weekend.